the man he once was. In this part of the play, we saw many indications that Crocker Harris has not always been shriveled up like a nut. Taplow's rush of inspiration to liven up the Agamemnon with talk of blood and corpses prompts Crocker Harris to reflect on his own erstwhile feelings about the play. Though when he teaches it to his pupils, Crocker Harris only mechanically corrects them in the exercise of construing Greek, here he confesses to Taplow that he regards the Agamemnon as perhaps the greatest play ever written. Taplow's response, I wonder how many people in the form think that, confirms that Crocker Harris has done little to convey that sensibility to his students. Crocker Harris then tells Taplow that he once wrote, for his own pleasure, a very free translation of the Agamemnon in rhyming couplets because the play had moved him so much that he wanted to communicate that emotion to others. Pleasure, poetry, free-spiritedness, and emotional expression are not things we associate with the man as we know him now. When, after Taplow asks if the play was ever published, Crocker Harris says he fears it is lost, like so many other things. Those were some of the things I took him to be talking about. In the first part of the play, we're given other indications that Crocker Harris once had, in Millie's words, more gumption, from the mouth of Millie herself. Teaching, she said, was Crocker Harris's vocation. He was sure he'd make a great success of it. He talked of getting a house and a headmastership. He had started his career with enthusiasm, ambition, and a sense of promise. Now he is washed up, walked over, and unliked. He has been forced into a demotion by a heart condition, and he seems to live a sort of walking death. In his conversation with Frobisher, we discover both how accomplished a scholar Crocker Harris once was, and how far he has fallen. After Frobisher lauds Gilbert for his brilliance and the high honors he won at Oxford, he realizes the insensitivity of praising Crocker Harris's replacement, and adds, not of course as high as you yourself won there. When, as the conversation continues, he realizes that Crocker Harris earned not two, but three prizes at Oxford that Gilbert hadn't, he clumsily comments, It's sometimes rather hard to remember that you are perhaps the most brilliant scholar we have ever had at the school. It is clear that whatever talent and passion Crocker Harris once had, it has been lost on his students, and perhaps lost altogether. Frobisher makes an effort to correct his gaffe by adding, Hard to remember, I mean, because of your other activities, your brilliant work on the school timetable, for instance, and also your heroic battle with the soul-destroying lower fifth. But it is clear he has only added insult to injury when Crocker Harris responds, I have not found that my soul has been destroyed by the lower fifth, headmaster. This is a curious comment because by all indications, his soul has indeed been destroyed. Is he in denial about that? Or would he just identify other causes for the destruction? That's a question worth returning to at the play's close, but I'll say something about it in the next post. <laughs>